I now pronounce you man and knife. Hello, my name is Will, and you're listening to Exploding Helicopter, the podcast that never dies, it just reloads. Now, after the Expendables proved the adage it's never too late to put old dogs through exactly the same tricks, it was inevitable that Sylvester Stallone would round up the boys for another medley of tongue-in-cheek heroics and stomach-churning blood spillage. So you hardly need the IQ of MIT alumni Dolph Lundgren to work out that the film we're reviewing on this show is The Expendables 2. To help me review the film, I'm joined by Heather Baxendale-Walsh from the MILFcast. Welcome to the show, Heather. Hi, thank you for having me on. I'm so excited. I've wanted to come on for years. <laughs> well, I'm uh, <laughs> pleased to be able to uh, to make that dream come true for you. Well, yeah, I mean, your show is called Exploding Helicopter right there. It's <laughs> it's my wheelhouse. Explosion. Well, it, it is. Yeah, it is exactly your wheelhouse because, uh, I mean, when we were sort of bandying a few titles around to, to do for this show, it was no surprise to me that uh, you you suggested this one, as I know you're a big action fan, especially of the of those 80s and 90s films. Oh, they're they're dear to my heart. I mean, science fiction and, and, and action films are exactly what spoke to me as a child. But on the weekends when my dad was home, he was always working two or three jobs. So he would occasionally be home on the weekends and all he wanted to do is sit on the couch and watch a good old Arnie or Sly Flick. Or we'd turn on the TV and you'd get to pick up some really bad Chuck Norris one, <laughs> Steven Seagal. And then my mom had a thing for Jean-Claude Van Damme. I mean, some girls liked princess movies. I liked I liked explosions <laughs> and action films. <laughs> this, this, was, this was my dream come true. <laughs> well, there you go. But, uh, you know, so of those, uh, of the kind of classic actors from those films like Arnie, Sly, Bruce and uh, JCVD, you know, who, who of those is your favorite? Oh, Arnie, hands down. Arnie is my favorite movie star of all time. I have him right up there with probably Sigourney Weaver and Robin Williams for me. I will still go pay to see any movie that Arnie puts out. In fact, one of the reasons I think I married my husband was because <laughs> on my first date, he took me to The Last Stand. He took me to an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. <laughs> I'm like, this is great. This guy knows exactly what I like. <laughs> but I got to ask, I'm intrigued by your mum's predilection for Jean-Claude Van Damme. What was, uh, you know, was it his ability to do the splits? Was it his Belgian accent? What was it about, uh, you know, JCVD that appealed to your mum? I think it was all of that. There was definitely a spin kicking thing that she got excited about. She she liked action movies, too, but she she tolerated my dad's uh, affection for them more than embrace them. But her and her best friend would watch any genre. They worked in a video store when uh, I was young, too. So we got to see all the movies before they came out. She would come over and watch them and you would I would hear them both go spin kick, Jean-Claude, spin kick. And they clap and cheer. <laughs> it was it was great. I even had a life size stand up of him from Time Cop. <laughs> I was in I think sixth grade <laughs> that I used to take pictures with. Yeah, yeah. So oh, I man. had a great upbringing as far as cinema is concerned. <laughs> But uh, before we get stuck into the movie, I wanted to kind of, you know, I know that you are a big fan of like all of these classic action movies like Predator, Commando and Aliens. But, uh, you know, I wondered if there was a, an action film out there that you feel is a bit underrated or, or one that you think should be, uh, you know, a bit better known. I don't want to be a broken record, but I will be. I, I every time I have the opportunity to do so, I want to pump up dread. It is so, so good. And it seems like 
like sometimes these cult followings do. Sometimes, you know, a good five to ten years after the movie's been out for a while, you start to see more people go, yeah, yeah, that's it. And I'm starting to see that, that more with it. But because I always talk about it, I think I'll I'll do Jean-Claude Van Damme here. One of my favorite, and it's it's science fiction as well, but one of my favorite movies of all time as a kid was Universal Soldier. Ah. And it's weird, and it still holds up pretty well. The action sequences in it are brilliant because Roland Emmerich's responsible. He's better at blowing things up than anyone other than Michael Bay for the most part. And Jean-Claude's perfect in it. He gets to play a stoic robot type. And uh, uh, <laughs> Same for Dolph. And Dolph gets to, yeah, Dolph gets to be full-on Dolph. I mean, it embraces everybody's strengths and, and the action in it is awesome. And it's basically one really cool chase scene. And even at the end there with the, the truck and whatnot, it starts to get that like sense of duel hmm. almost. So that also fed into my happiness. But I think it's a great movie, and I think it still holds up today. So even with the ridiculous sequels that are kind of just fun and goofy, uh, I think the first one stands on its own pretty solidly. And I always recommend people to watch it. Because a lot of people haven't seen it or even heard of it. Well, talking of Universal Soldier and underrated action movies, I, I wondered if you've seen Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning. Is that the third one? That is the fifth one. Fifth one. Oh, my goodness. OK, I missed the third one and I haven't seen the fifth one. So, no, I have not. Well, I would suggest that you go and check that out because it is a... Uh, it's a real cult action movie. It's it's definitely one that has picked up a lot of fans and it is really justifies the hype. It's got both uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dolphin. It's also got Scott Atkins um, in the lead role and it junks a few things from the Universal Soldier lore. But I think what it adds and what it brings is so fantastic. It's got brilliant action. It's got a really sophisticated plot, which is, you know, it's got shades of uh, apocalypse now in there. It is a seriously good film and definitely action movie that I would pick out as one that deserves to be better known. So I'd really, if you, if you like Universal Soldier, I'd really recommend going and checking that one out. The fourth one is pretty good as well, but the fifth one is, uh, yeah, seriously good. And it's a film that I like to uh, introduce people to. So yeah, I'd really, I'd really urge you, Heather, to go and watch that one. I will. I have no idea how it fell off my radar. Well, if you watch it, uh, let me know what you make of it, but uh, I would be keen to hear your view. I absolutely will. Right, I think it's time to get stuck into The Expendables 2. So let's listen to a bit of the trailer and see if we can make out what on earth these gruff and grizzled voices are saying. What do you want from me, Church? I knew the day would come when you were going to pay me back. You can't let the contents of that safe fall into the wrong hands. Track them, find them, kill them. You're going to need more men if you expect to get out of here alive. You're terminated. In your dreams. Here we go! So, The Expendables 2. Stallone and the boys are forced to accept a mission to retrieve a computer from a downed airplane in Albania. It should be a straightforward job, but the team are ambushed by Jean-Claude Van Damme and his gang of international criminals. It turns out the computer has the location of five tons of plutonium that Van Damme wants to sell on the black market. The Expendables track Van Damme to an old abandoned mine where he's trying to recover the nuclear material and then the whole thing finishes off with the inevitable big confrontation. Back again are Stallone, Statham, Bruce, Arnie, Dolph, Cruz, Couture and Jet Li. 
They're joined in this episode by uh, JCVD, who plays a villain named Villain. Also joining the Action Circus are Scott Adkins and Chuck Norris. This time, directorial duties are handled by Simon West, who helmed Con Air and The Mechanic. The film's got a 6.6 rating on IMDb and a 67% audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes. But uh, let's find out what Heather made of The Expendables 2. I think this is my favorite of the trilogy, to be honest. It's not as, I think, whole as the first Expendables. But as far as fun and really embracing the individualities of of all the the actors and their backgrounds, I think this one does it the best. While still maintaining the very simple, straightforward, bad guy, good guy plot. But what it zeroes in on, too, is is everyone's specialties, and it really highlights them well. But I I mean, I just love so much that you actually get to have Arnie, Bruce, and Sly mm. actually do some work together in this one. It is easily, when they're in the airport at the end, one of my favorite cinematic scenes ever. <laughs> and they're just throwing out cliches left and right. It, the whole entire shot is like something out of a Call of Duty uh, map in the game. <laughs> but it is... It's exactly like that. It feels like it. even even the ridiculous amount of, of bad guys that are just going down <laughs> arbitrarily. And but it's 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 very tongue in cheek. This one has, I think, a lot more fun overall with with itself. I feel like the first one we kind of got more of a we have to make this film actually work from beginning to end. We need to have hit certain beats and that kind of thing. Whereas this one, I just felt like everybody was having so much fun. So. As, as far as I'm concerned, this one is is top notch. And then Jean Claude bringing him in at the time too, where he's not particularly beloved anymore, and he hadn't done anything particularly mm. noteworthy career wise at this point either. He looked fantastic in it as a villain. Yes, he looked a little older and and ragged, but they all they all are. <laughs> uh, but it never takes itself too seriously, and I think that's part of why it works. It's simple. It's straightforward. It's just. It's everything you loved about 80s and 90s action films, and it's served on a beautiful platter for you. Well, yeah, I definitely agree with you. I mean, I think this is a really, uh, really fun movie, really enjoyable movie. I saw it in the cinema and I loved it then, and I've I've seen it quite a few times again since then. And uh, I always enjoy watching this film. And uh, you know, I think the couple of things, a couple of really great points, I think you you mentioned there, which is, uh, you know, uh, this it's it does some stuff which I think you know the classic we took for granted in the classic movies it kind of gives you some characters you care about there's a pretty straightforward plot there's some well done action scenes and it's all wrapped up in 100 minutes and you know that's pretty much what you want from from these types of of these types of films and i think the other big thing that that, that you know that you mentioned was this this film really kind of embraces who these actors are and what audiences uh, want from them and uh, i completely agree with you about the the, the difference in tone between um, this film and the first film and i think that obviously after after that first one like i think they they kind of realize okay we're on to something we can kind of we can sort of work with this in a slightly different way and it's just really nice to see all these guys in one film back actually in a film that's released in cinemas because you know that's not something that uh dolph or Jean-Claude had experienced really in many of the years before they got involved with the with this particular um, series and you know some of their recent outings you know it's always a bit of a worry about what you're going to get you love these guys from the old days but you do sometimes some of the stuff that they appear in can be rather embarrassing but uh, you know this is legit good solid uh, action movie and um, 
you know, I kind of think that, uh, yeah, some of the ratings that I see on the, you know, IMDb, I, I kind of think, what, what's people's beef here? I don't quite understand why only 6.7. Yeah. I mean, what, what are you expecting going into it? I'm not a huge horror genre movie person, but I go in with the right expectations when it comes to seeing a film in that wheelhouse. If I'm going to see some some torture porn, then um, I'm I'm preparing myself. It's not my cup of tea, but I'm trying to be go in with an objective uh, perspective and go, okay, this is this is what the movie's trying to do. So I'm going to try and embrace what that is. Why would you go to see this? movie if you weren't into this kind of stuff it's just ridiculous it's like (laughs) i i understand if it's not your cup of tea but it's exceptional at what it's attempting to do it just does everything that it should for sure well let's let's talk a little bit about the the tone of this film because we've already sort of touched on it a little bit which is you know i think that the tone of this one is substantially different to the first film so the expendables you know you've got this veteran cast who all get to play these these colorful characters and the first film played things pretty straight and it does strive in places for for serious that's obviously uh you know uh in context uh, of the type of you know this is still an action movie but you know you have so you have the the characters in that particular film contemplating you know the the cost of war the cost of violence whereas in this sequel it's very much um, trading on the personas of the actor everyone's got one-liners which are callbacks to their other films it's much more wink wink type of stuff with the uh, with the audience and you know do you do you have a preference for for the for the kind of the tone i mean you've already said that the expendables 2 is your favorite um is that down to the tone or is that down to the action I think it's the action and the tone. I, I appreciate the first film. The first film's probably a better movie, strictly speaking. But as far as rewatching, rewatchability goes and uh, pure enjoyment, I, I think this one is, is better in that way. It, it's basically a love letter to action fans. It's basically saying, thank you. Here, we're giving this to you for all of your love and support all of these years. We're, we're gonna still give it back. It, it felt personal in that way. Instead, often when you get cliches or you get those tag backs to other movies with actors and characters and things, sometimes it's forced and it doesn't feel right. Here, it, the entire spirit worked together. And I, I think that's why it's so enjoyable. Do you think, though, that in places, I mean, there are a couple of moments, I agree with what you say, but there are a couple of moments where I did, I do sort of wince slightly. And there's there's one exchange in your favourite scene in the movie in the airport where I think it's Arnie and Bruce uh, have a conversation and um, <laughs> they basically do three of their three of their one-liners like back to back. And it, yeah. it, that, that one just felt like... You know, we, they'd already made that joke a bit earlier in the film, and I think that one should they have been did. that should have, that one maybe it should was, have been left on the cutting room floor. It 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 should have, and I I don't. They might have just been playing off each other at that point too, because it didn't it didn't fit in. I think it was something along the lines. Arnie did another. I'll be back. Okay, Arnie, we get it. Once in every movie, I totally agree. Once in every movie, I want to hear Arnie say that because he's Arnie, so he can. But. I think it was the second or third time he said it in the film. And I think Bruce said, this time I'll be back, which that was funny. But <laughs> one of them replied with yippee Kaye," And I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, you're right. They dragged, they, they did. They dragged it out a bit. <laughs> it was taking it a little too far. Uh, and, and, and I think so even the Chuck Norris moment, which was fantastic. 
how he shows up. But he even did a Chuck Norris meme. I think he did something along the lines of, I was bit by a cobra and it was five days of pain like I've, or a man has never felt in his life. <laughs> and then finally the cobra died. <laughs> And that in itself is really funny, but it was like, all right, you're taking away, you're taking out of the movie, then you're starting to detract from it. One thing I wanted to um, chat to you about was, you know, we grew up on the films which, you know, made all these actors stars, you know, so we've got that historical context uh, when we watch these particular movies. And but I wanted to see what you thought about, you know, if you were a 13 year old watching this film today, you know, what would you make of it? I mean, do you think that we were probably that age when we were watching, you know, Stallone and Schwarzenegger in their heyday in the 80s? But I, I kind of wonder what a 13 year old watching this film today would make of it. I mean, I do, you know, would they relate to the stars? You know, how reliant is the this film on uh, on understanding the backstory of these actors? I think to really appreciate this one in particular, I think the first one stands alone very well. It balances everything out a lot more. It, it plays to all of their specialties, the, the character types that they've they've all played and their strengths. But it also holds strong to the, the story that's put forth. This one, it's not going to stand alone that well. And to someone without the background behind some of the actors, uh, like I'd even say, not my kids, because I've they've grown up watching all the same movies that I love. But someone else's kids, they might not know who Dolph Lundgren or Jean-Claude is. But some of some of these guys, they might not know their their background. They're not going to understand some of the jokes. Like my kids, for instance, they wouldn't as outside of Chuck Norris memes. They're not going to understand who Chuck Norris is. Mm. Uh, so so I think, yeah, I think that probably would be lost on newer, younger audiences. And I think specifically this one you could see was geared towards us middle age folk. So we've talked about uh, Expendables 2 and we've mentioned the first film in the series. So, uh, you know, seeing as we're here, we're talking about the series. Um, I wondered if, you know, what your thoughts were about the third film and, you know, how you would rank them all in order. As good films, better films, I think the first one's probably the best film. As far as I enjoy them, I would put the second one first and then the first and then the third would come at the end. I think it took what the second did. I, I still find it enjoyable and fun. I'm, I'm not going to poop in its Cheerios entirely. But I think it took a little bit of the second one and ran with it a bit excessively. Mm. And, and and we added some characters that I, I wasn't particularly fond of. Uh, I, I don't like Rhonda, Rona, Rhonda Rousey very much. And I don't think she deserved to be there. There are so <laughs> many great action women. If, if I made a list right now of, of action women stars versus current uh, younger action male stars, I have a way longer female list that I think is awesome and consistent than men and i think that is great and i never expected that to happen however i embrace that so you have these great women action stars that have been out doing work for the last 10 20 years and you throw UFC human punching bag ronda rousey <laughs> yeah i mean i felt kind of that way about randy couture being in the first one too but he really worked and and he fit in with everybody mm. and i i ate my words with that one so i i was fine with it but her she stood out like a sore thumb and every scene she was in I I cringed so so that took took away from me a bit too and it did just feel a little bit more like as sequels tend to do get more ridiculous get a little crazier and take away from joy that all being said I still think it was a fun movie however I think I've only watched that one maybe two or three times and I've seen the first one and the second one double digits mm. 
I um, I saw Expendables three again, saw it in the cinema, and I thought it was a bit of a bit of a mess. And I just thought, oh, they've really lost the plot here with what made these films work. But actually, having gone back and watched it again, uh, I think I've watched it um, two or three times now. I actually, it's actually gone. It's actually sort of gone up in my my estimation. It's definitely my least probably preferred of the of the series but and it's definitely got some problems i do think it's got too many people in and then the film just becomes like unwieldy because you've got people like you know bobbing in from the left and then exiting stage right just because uh well you know we've still got another 14 characters to to introduce and explain their involvement in this in this particular plot but uh it's definitely one that's got it's gone up in my estimation i've kind of accepted its flaws for what they are but i can still get um still get a lot to enjoy out of that particular movie so uh, yeah it's worth going back to and uh, you know giving another watch to I would say there's there's a ton of fun in it and as per the first two there's some incredible action sequences there's a lot of great humor in it and it is it's just a little bit chaotic and and a bit much at times but <laughs> that being said it's still fun so the last thing that I wanted to uh, to throw at you was, uh, you know, we live in an age where no, you know, franchise or series can exist without it being rebooted. So I wanted to sort of pretend it's the year 2040 and the Expendables series is being rebooted. So what uh, what I wanted to put to you was who do you think we are going to see in the cast for uh, the rebooted expendable series that is bound to happen at some point in the future i think without a doubt you're going to put right at the top is going to be the rock <laughs> he was my number I mean, one okay. as well <laughs> yeah i mean who can deny it and here's the thing too when he started off i have i've never been a, a pro wrestling fan aside from hulk hogan i love hulk hogan <laughs> but aside from hulk hogan i've never been a pro wrestling fan so i initially when he decided he wanted to be an actor was all thumbs down down that watch i don't like it no no i oh my gosh he's so won me over in the last decade i love him he made i watched baywatch because of him <laughs> i and you know what i i actually enjoyed parts of it so there but he's fantastic he does everything great he he's one of those few actors that still have that same like machismo and just this bravado mm. about him to where everything he says is charming and likable and and it is it's he's it's like he is from a different generation our our time of the 80s and 90s and i love him but aside from that look at the man he is his arms are bigger than my whole body <laughs> <laughs> he's he's an impressive looking creature and he stays with it so i have no doubt that in 2040 he will still be a force to be reckoned with and i would put him in there after him i would put zoe saldana in there she is probably after him i think the best action star out there she has been killing it for the last 15 20 years and i think she's extremely underrated and she has acting chops yeah I, I had I, I her mean, she, down along with, uh, and she's a, a bit of a personal favourite of mine. I had Zoe Saldana's down alongside uh, Millie Ovovich, who uh, oh, yeah. she's got a really good kick-ass career of uh, action movies uh, and science fiction movies behind her, and I think um, I think she possibly. 
I think they they were talking about her being in one of these movies, but I don't, I don't know if that was just, you know, kind of internet scuttlebutt. But uh, I think she would be fantastic in these movies now. And if we can't have her in Expendables 4, then, you know, she, she, should, she should be in the uh, rebooted series. Absolutely. She, she was on my short list as well. And again, too, on this list, I have, I have, I think, more strong female leads here. I think Scarlett Johansson has more than proved herself in that capacity mm. as well. I think you could take any of the Chris's, Pratt, Hemsworth, or Evans. Even though I know Evans <laughs> kind of wants to stray away from the action and do a lot more serious work. Chris Hemsworth is a perfect example, though. I think he's one of those guys that, that I think will probably over the next 10, 20 years, he has that same charm about mm. him. He's he's ruggedly handsome. He has all of those things working for him. And and he can he can deliver a line when he needs to. So I think he'd probably be up there. I think Michael B. Jordan is another another good one that we may very well see down the road. Yep. He's still young, but I am a big, big fan of him. I would love to see Rona Mitra. I know that she's not huge and hasn't done a lot of stuff that a lot of people know about, but she shows up and stuff all the time. And Doomsday, she's so freaking awesome. I love her. So I, I would love to see her her show up in, in a small role or a bigger role. Charlie Theron's another good one. Do you think we'd see somebody, I thought somebody else that was on my list was uh, probably butchering his name, but uh, Iko Yuas, uh, who's, uh, you know, from the Raid films, he's in um, the kind of current, yes. The Night Comes From Us. I could kind of see him being in a future version of The Expendables for sure. The Raid movies are so good. Absolutely some of the best martial arts I've seen <laughs> ever. It's so good. One of my fears, though, uh, I do, I did, I did think, oh, you know, because this series has has taken, you know, a few like people from like the wrestling world and you know put them put them into this. I mean, they kind of were actors beforehand, but I kind of was thinking, oh, you know, maybe by 2040, somebody like uh, Conor McGregor might end up in one of these movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If he can, he might have some Jean Claude Van Damme turns in his life. I think so. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll see. <laughs> he's he's kind of a, a bad boy, isn't his he? His reputation may not survive <laughs> through to twenty forty. So that <laughs> we'll we'll see. Twenty years is a long time, though. And and as we've seen with the Expendables. Some of our guys have had some highs and lows, and they they still brought it around. So so there's hope for him, definitely. Oh, and Vin Diesel, yeah. How could I, we miss Vin Diesel? I love Vin Diesel. Do you? I'm um, I'm not. A I understand fan. why people don't. I fell in love with him in Boiler Room. Okay. And I've been subsequently since then. I and I have I haven't seen all of the Fast and Furious movies and. And maybe one day I will get to them all. Yeah, but but if, I've seen all the triple X movies. And <laughs> if the rumors, if the rumors are true about the relationship between uh, The Rock and Vin Diesel, I, I I find it hard hard to think. You know, you're probably going to have to have one or the other heading up that uh, Expendables reboot. You're probably yeah. not going to have both of them. Who's it going to be, Rock well, or Diesel? I think I think money would be on on The Rock, unfortunately. Though the series should stick with Vin Diesel, although. I can't believe they're still making these movies. But if it was in an actual fight, I'd put all of my money on The Rock. <laughs> all of it. And that's not, not a slight to Vin Diesel. He is an impressive man. I would put all of my money on The Rock. So, yeah, he's... And I know he doesn't like being called The Rock, but he's The Rock. Yeah. Well, I am 
I am as excited for this uh, reboot uh, as I am for the Expendables Four. So I look forward to seeing uh, look forward to seeing this film, and hopefully, uh, hopefully we can have some input on the casting for this uh, this yeah, remake. Yeah, maybe they'll they'll listen to your podcast and they'll they'll hire us. They'll just put it on, put us on retainer <laughs> until then. They'll say, hey, you two, twenty years from now, we know you're not doing anything else. You guys have your podcast, so. Just stick around. Stick I, around. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an optimist. I'm believing that that is going to happen. I do too. <laughs> okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be looking at the exploding helicopter action. MovieMavericks.com. Broadcasting current box office breakdowns, movie news and reviews. Now for your hosts, Jason and Trevor. Hey now, even though we're over 200 episodes deep into the Movie Mavericks podcast, it's still not too late to start listening. Where every show we give you 10 truths, 20 lies, and a bunch of Hollywood secrets. It's like existentialism slipping into nihilism. MovieMavericks.com. We're back, and now we're looking at the exploding helicopter action. This takes place during the rescue mission which opens the film. Our heroes, armed with all kinds of armoured vehicles, bust into a walled compound to rescue Arnie. Before you can say human growth hormone, Sly somehow is on a rooftop with his tanky vehicle which has a motorbike strapped to the back. A helicopter gunship swings into view, ready to fire, so Sly revs up the bike and sends it blasting into the helicopter cockpit. The chopper then nosedives straight into the ground and explodes. Heather, what did you make of the chopper fireball action? I thought it was fantastic. Uh, (laughs) Realistically, whenever you think of helicopters, to me, I've always looked quite delicate. So that makes them fantastic targets. Hey, you're talking to the right person here. They, uh, you know, they, they, they exist only in films to be uh, blown up, and long may that continue. But yeah, this is a this is a favourite of mine uh, because it's I do like a kind of uh, slightly overcomplicated method of destruction. You know, I like to. I mean, I've seen enough. Basically, I've seen enough helicopters be bazookered. So anything that's a little bit quirky, anything that's a little bit different, I am totally on board for. So yeah, using a motorcycle as an aerial projectile is definitely something I want to see. And uh, yeah, this sequence delivers. The, the you know it's that classic sort of foreshadowing. Uh, I forgot what they call it. Uh, Chekhov's gun, isn't it? If you see a gun in the first act, you know it's got to be used by the third act. And uh, you see this. Uh, there's several shots which kind of show you this motorbike on the front of uh, on the front of that sort of tanky vehicle. And uh, that's kind of the equivalent of uh, you know uh, Chekhov's gun. There, you kind of think, well, what's, what on earth is that doing there? And then obviously you don't have to wait too long to find out exactly why it's there. No, but the anticipation of it is fun. And if you've seen enough movies, you, you take note of those things. And I think in some instances it can, it can be a little irksome. But I think for the most part when it's done right, which in this scenario it is, it, it builds that anticipation of, okay, something's going to happen. It, it, something's going to go down. I, and I, as much as you love exploding helicopters, I also love uh, motorcycle sequences in films. <laughs> Because, okay, I I will I can drive a car and I believe that I could I could race cars and do anything, but I know that I could never do anything on a motorcycle. So, <laughs> so I'm even more impressed by any kind of motorcycle sequences, and I think that they are underutilized in films and should be more often, especially when you put them together with a helicopter. 
Well, you have seen something that is, uh, you know, fairly unique here—a kind of combination of exploding helicopter with uh, with a motorcycle. Um, so you you have witnessed something fairly unique here, though it is not completely uh, it's not completely uh, novel because I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, Brian Bosworth uh, movie Stone Cold. Uh, from uh, from the early 90s so uh, yeah it was his uh, it was Hollywood's attempt to turn him into uh, into an action star and uh, that film has a fantastic sequence in there where a motorcycle is uh, shot out of uh, the corridor of an office block and it catapult it goes shooting through this window straight into uh, straight into a helicopter that is conveniently hovering outside and so that is that's the earliest example of a, of a helicopter being destroyed by a, by a motorcycle being used as a as an aerial projectile but uh, yeah stone cold pretty good movie if you uh, i think you'd uh, you'd love that because you've got uh, Lance Henriksen running a uh, sort of Hell's Angel style motorcycle gang and so Brian Bosworth has to go undercover in order to uh, you know kind of uh, find out what this uh, what this group are uh, up to so it's got you know it's got great action it's got motorcycles in plus it's got Lance Henriksen and a uh, over-the-top William Forsyth in it so I, I think you'd uh, I think you'd really enjoy Stone Cold. Outstanding now I have two movies on my list <laughs> of to-dos this week, which this week I will do, actually. Okay, I think that just about wraps things up. Uh, Heather, thanks for joining me. Do you want to take a a moment to plug your own podcasting and tell people where they can find you online? Uh, Yes, Uh, you will get to hear from us at the MILFcast soon, I promise, Kai and myself. As I may have mentioned earlier, that for once it's not my fault that we've been in a little bit of a hiatus. It's Kai's this time. He's super busy <laughs> doing all things nerdy, though. So I will plug Kai's fantastic artwork. You can find him at The Amazing Kiderman on uh, Instagram and check his stuff out. And you can follow me on Twitter at Heather underscore Kenobi. I admit I don't tweet as much as I should. You can probably find me doing more fun stuff on uh, Instagram, though. And uh, and on my website at uh, that is just getting started, uh, and that's headertime.com. So you can find me in any of those places doing things. I talk about running a lot on there, but I'm also reserving half the website to be devoted to all of my pop culture obsessions, gaming, movies, music, reading, all of it. Well, I look forward to checking it out when it's up and running. Thank you. It should be soon. I'm guessing probably at the end of the next month. Unless I get too caught up in watching movies. Now, this is the bit of the show where I make the uh, obligatory podcasters plea for you to leave us a review or give us a plug on social media. But uh, I've been doing this long enough to know that you're not going to do that. So we can just move quickly along. We'll be back soon. But until then, keep watching the skies for those exploding helicopters. This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com. I'm almost out. I'll be back. You've been back enough. 
I'll be back. Yippee-ki-yay.